Morning all, good to see you all. Um, hope you are well, whichever platform you are watching us on. It's going to be exciting when we have people uh, back in the room as well, that's for sure. Um, so, God is out looking for you. That's the message of this morning, that God is out looking for you. <clears throat> so, uh, two, three years ago, we had my, uh, my eldest daughter, she came and lived with us, and I think it was the day she was due to be uh, leaving. She was going on somewhere else, and she couldn't find her car keys. And, like, couldn't find her car keys. And at first you say, well, they're probably, they're probably there. Have you checked your handbag? Yes. Have you checked your pockets? Yes. Have you, have you checked? Just buy the car. I mean, this, this was, like, next level up. Just buy the car. Go and check just buy the car. Um, she parked her car probably... 10 meters from our front door. That's about 30 feet if you're, if you're still an imperial person. Uh, from our front door, couldn't find them. Well, how did you lock the car? Did you lock the car with a key? Well, I can't, I can't remember how I locked the car. In the footwells. Then we came back into the house. Nothing. Under the car. Nothing. In the bushes outside our house. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. This became gradually almost like an obsession in our house where more and more people got pulled in. Marth can't find her keys. We've got to try and find her keys. And in the end, we were all looking. And we looked and we looked. But she couldn't get back into her car and certainly couldn't drive her car. In the end, we actually had to get a car locksmith out who, with frightening ease, actually made a new set of keys. <clears throat> um, it should be enough to trouble anyone how quickly that person managed to do that. And do you know what? Those keys were honestly never found. I mean, never. They haven't. We said, in the end, we said, do you know what? They'll probably turn up in a week. No, never turned up. This is some of the things that happens. We can lose stuff and we go searching. We remember um, we did our baptisms on the beach, which we do each year. Uh, hopefully this year as well. Who knows? Uh, but hopefully this year we'll get to the beach and do some baptisms there. And, and I remember um, a certain young man, I won't say his name, who went missing. He was only young. And he went missing. And, and uh, the mum was, where, where is, where is he? I can't, oh my goodness, I can't see him. Where is he? And you're on the beach. So, of course, very, very quickly, word gets around. There's a child missing. There's a child missing. There's a child missing. I, I remember it. I remember the feeling of choosing to stay completely calm as like an utter decision. And then, very uncharacteristically, because I don't really like running. I love sports, but running, pointless. Anyway, I remember running off up the beach, thinking, if this young man happens to be going in this direction, then I have, he's got a good head start on me, so I'm going to have to, like, run. So we had people running in that direction, people running in this direction, people going scanning the sea. Honestly, it became like a, a, a myopic, it was the thing in front of us thing. We've got to find this child. <clears throat> so we've all lost things. All of us have done it. And we, um, particularly in our house, Nick is forever losing things. Uh, bless her heart. Me, I'm a little bit more patterned. I kind of put them somewhere, and then I kind of know where they are. My glasses are my exception. But, but what happens is, when we lose something, the, the desperation, the, the, the need that, almost a longing to find the thing that we've lost becomes like a tunnel vision 
thing for us. If someone else were to ring at that time and say, oh, can I just talk to you about it? No, 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 you wouldn't even answer your phone. I have to say, when it comes to lost things, my favorite is when you have fought and fought looking in the freezer. And then in the end, you relent and think, that's it, I'm going to have to go and check. I'm going to have to go and check. Surely I can't have put them in the freezer, my car keys or whatever else. So Jesus tells this parable. Uh, and a parable is just a story with a, with a meaning. So in other words, it didn't actually happen, but Jesus was telling this story to get a point across. And he tells a story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he lost one of them. And that shepherd became single focused. And he left the 99 just to go off and find the one. And he, Jesus says, this is a story showing you what Father God is like. This is how he feels about you. He leaves the 99 to go and find the one. God is out looking for you. So immediately following that parable is another one. And it's a parable, it's called the parable of the lost coin. It's a bit of a giveaway, really, what it's about. So Jesus gave them another parable. There once was a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I've found it. That's the way God responds every time one lost person repents and turns to him. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for this one that I'd lost, I've just found. And as Jesus makes clear, it's a picture of God out looking for us. Now, no parable is complete. It, it's, just a, it's just a story to try and get a message across. So, of course, God knows everything, so he knows where you are. So, hang on, why is he out, look, why is he out looking for you if he knows where you are? It's a little bit where the parable falls short, but it also shows us something about God, that even when he knows where you are, the heart of a father is you go out looking. That's what fathers do. They go out looking for their children. And right now, I can say to you, he is out looking for you. He loves you, he knows you, and he misses you. Let's just look again quickly at this parable. Let's just notice a few things that God, God is showing about himself. What's Jesus saying about what the Father is like? It says a few things. There was once a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. She lost one of them. She then swept her entire house, diligently searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. Notice she didn't lose one of the silver coins and then think, ah, oh, it will turn up. Don't worry. I mean, I've got nine others. It doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, if it hasn't reappeared in a week, I'll, I'll go looking. No. The noticing of it being missing triggers the heart response that says, I must find. I must go and find. And she does everything she can. And it says, when she finally found it, when she finally found it, 
this lady has been working to find this lost coin. She has done everything she knows to do. It wasn't like, oh, there it is. When she finally found it, she swept every corner of her house. She did everything. She moved everything. If she had one, she'd have checked the freezer. She checked everywhere that she could think of. Finally, she finds it. That sense of, I've stuck at this. And again, Jesus, by telling this parable, is saying, that's what Father God is like towards you. He is stuck at it in finding you and is still pursuing you. And his love for you means his pursuit of you and me is relentless. Something else we notice. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration. I mean, the silly thing was, earlier she had 10 coins, right? She loses one. Then she finds it and essentially just gets back to where she was before. She's got 10 again, right? But the point was, it had been lost. So the refinding of the one is cause for such a celebration, it's not even just a moment for her on her own. This is a, I've got to get my neighbors involved. These days it would be a post on Facebook and Twitter. Let's create a watch party because I put a little camera on me while I was searching for the coin or something awful like that. But the point is, it was a celebration. It wasn't just a, oh, there's the coin, back in the pocket or wherever. But refinding the coin that was lost was serious party time. And she makes the reason for her joy so clear. She says, it was lost and now is found. Was lost, now found. That is reason for a party. And that is how Father God feels about you. He knows you. He enjoys you. He delights in you. He sees your fears. He knows your dreams. You see, we can often disqualify ourselves, but God's knowledge of us deepens his affection for us. I mean, we can all hold on to unforgiveness, right? We can all sort of bear a grudge. I'm not always very good at bearing grudges. I forget who I'm supposed to have the ache with, but, but we can, and it can happen so easily. Many people have addictions and compulsions that hold them really strongly. But what it does is it traps people into shame. And God is out looking for you. Maybe you're sat there watching this and you're saying, oh, but I mean, if, if people only knew what I was really like, if people only knew what goes on in the darkness of my own home when everyone else has gone to bed or those things I'm not honest with anyone about that, that, that we hide from people. Maybe it's a, a, a porn addiction. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's online shopping. Maybe for you, you struggle and wrestle with, say, an eating disorder. Maybe for you, you wrestle with the compulsion, like, I have to harm myself. I have to get some blades. I have to scratch myself. I have to do whatever. And I want to say to you, God is out looking for you. 
His heart is absolutely for you. God doesn't look at the problem that you're wrestling with and hold it up there and hold you down here. God doesn't work that way. God holds you all the way up here and he wants to draw you so close to his face that the problem you have becomes like a, like a tiny speck down here somewhere. It's all about perspective with him. That's what fathers are like. And he's out looking for you. I know people who get crippled with self-doubt. I think we all have self-doubt at times. But God says, I know you. I'm out there. I'm coming after you. I'm looking for you. My love for you is relentless. I realized God was looking for me for the first time when I was 13. It was during the teacher strikes. I was about to turn 14. So it would have been 1985, 31st of January. It was a Thursday. And during the teacher strikes, I didn't have to go to school in the morning. And I had joined this youth club where I was living. And to be honest, I'd gone after one girl. She didn't want me, so I went after another one. And she kind of wanted me, but it was complicated, etc. Et I mean, for goodness sake, I was 13. The point was, someone was really honest enough to say to me, do you know what, Chris? Instead of going after a girl, you could, why don't you go after God? Because he would really love to start a relationship with you. And I'd seen some other people from my youth club. They'd been away for the weekend, and they came back from being away for the weekend, and a lot of them were in tears. And I said to someone, what's the matter with them? And they said, oh, a lot of them make commitments. So I thought they'd gone away for a weekend and found like a boyfriend or girlfriend. But no, apparently they've made commitments to Jesus. I didn't even really know this was a thing. So with all this information coming in, I sat in an armchair in my lounge with no one else in the house. I was due in school in the afternoon. It was only in the morning I had off. And I said to God, do you know what, God? I don't even know if you're real. But if you are real and you can have the kind of impact on people's lives that I'm seeing, then I want to get to know you. That was it. And in that moment, I had the most incredible experience and it felt like someone had a big vat of peace oil. I don't even know that peace oil is a thing, right? But in this moment, it really was. And it was poured over me. And even now, even now, I can remember the sensation. I've got it again now of just the feeling of peace being poured through from tip to toe. I went back to school that afternoon different from how I was. Some people call that becoming a Christian. Often here we use the language of saying yes to Jesus. Something happened in that moment. It was a transaction. I said to him, I wanted him. And he said, great, I've been out looking for you. So the thing is, right now, God is standing at your door knocking. He has been out looking for you. He's been up essentially all night, if you like. He's been out looking for you. He's been pursuing you, coming after you. And he longs to give you meaning and purpose and context and a sense of design and relationship and a future. So right now, we have the chance to respond. And, and how do we do that? Well, you can pray a prayer as bad as mine, if you like. There are no great prayers. 
and bad prayers. It's not about the words. It's about what's happening here. The best prayer you could ever pray might be, God, <laughs> that would make his day. That would make his day. And it says, at the parable of the lost sheep, the one before the coin, it says this right at the end, in the same way as when that person found the sheep, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over you. A glorious celebration, like Nick's party poppers and some. Can you imagine God with a party popper? That would be awesome. Like, can you imagine that that would shake heaven when that party popper goes off? And it's like God's got it in his hand. He's got the string and he's waiting for you because he's been coming after you. So what I'd love to do now is give you the opportunity I was praying this morning and I asked God about how many people are going to want to say yes to you this morning. And we agreed on a number between him and me. I prayed afterwards, actually. It was five. And God said, what would it be like for 500 people to say yes to me in the next year? We're not going for 500 this morning. But I asked God originally, and I felt that there were at least five people who want to say yes to him for the first time this morning. There are other people, you've maybe been away. You haven't been as abiding with him. You haven't really been living. You've kind of been living, he's like a flatmate who's kind of there, but you haven't been paying a lot of attention to. And God's still knocking. He's still pursuing you because he just adores you. And he misses you. And he is single focused in finding you. And letting you know that he adores you. So what we're going to do is pray right now. And if you're praying this for the first time, I encourage you just to pray after me. And even if you've prayed a prayer before something like this, pray again. Why not? I pray this prayer often. It's just a prayer of basically giving myself afresh to God. And like I keep trying to take myself back, but I deliberately give myself afresh to him. And then what we'd love you to do, if you pray that prayer right now for the first time, we would love you just to get in touch. You can stay, stay kind of like behind afterwards, click a link and get through to us. We would love to chat with you. But let's all, wherever we are, you can bow your head if you want, close your eyes. If you can feel your heart beating out of your chest, then that is God's Holy Spirit. He is right there with you with an invitation. Let's pray this together. Dear Father, I thank you that you continually pursue me. I thank you that your love for me is far greater than I could ever possibly deserve. I know I can screw up and I know I mess things up and I know I have some attitudes that are wrong. God, I am so sorry. And I would love for you to come and live with me right now. God, I would love for you to make me new from the inside out. Amen. And amen doesn't mean we're finished. It means yes. It's like modern mic drop. Amen. Let it happen. 
Absolutely. Boom. Done. So if you prayed that for the first time, congratulations. And if you listen carefully, there is a party popper going off in heaven right now. And it had your name around the edge of the party popper. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you've maybe prayed that prayer again, because you've prayed it before and you feel like you're coming back, you are no less precious. We would love to pray for you too. So there'll be a link that appears in a minute. If you hop on that link, then we have the chance to be able to pray for you. At the very least, tell someone, please get in touch. Please keep connecting. Grab yourself a Bible. If you're not sure which one to get, get in touch, we'll tell you. Some are a bit easier to, some versions, translations, a bit easier to read than others. But we want to say to you, Many, many congratulations. If you've said yes for the first time, that is honestly the single best decision you will ever make. And I encourage you to keep making that decision afresh every single day. I'm going to quickly pray for us all, and then we are wrapping up and we are done. Father, you are wonderful. I have never known in my entire life anybody like you. That Jesus, you would... Come and be human just so that you would be able to find a way to connect with us and know what it's like for us and that we will be able to see you knew what it's like. And then you go and hang on a cross when you did nothing. And Holy Spirit, you stick with us all the time, even when we're being numpties. You're just there. And you're just enjoying and delighting and you're reminding us of the things of dear Father God and what he says about us and what he speaks about other people. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.